Welcome to episode four of Exploring the Calf. I'm joined today with Corporal Wilson for our first ever in-person recording. So we'll see how this turns out. <laughs> Corporal Wilson is an infantier with the Queensland Rifles Reserve Unit in Toronto. And he was also the first person that I actually met on basic training back in winter of 2019. So Corporal Wilson, thank you so much for being here today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, uh, thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So let's just dive right into it because I think there's a lot of value you can get from Corporal Wilson over here, um, being that infantry is one of the most, the kind of well-known um, occupations in the military. I'm sure people have a lot of questions about it. So the last time that we met in person was nearly three years ago. So you've been in for around three years now and we got a ride to Fort York Armory together. I remember. Yeah, I remember <laughs> Yeah, and at that time, you know, a common question among the recruits was, um, why did you join the army? Why did you join the military? And I was just wondering if you could share your response to that today. Uh, I joined the military because everyone else around me seemed to have their thing. Mm -hmm. So I thought that the military could be my thing. Right. Uh, it goes back further than when I joined. You know, I recall like when I was younger, my parents would drive around Downsview and like, you know, Desert Army's right there. Oh, right. So, you know, back in the day, I would always pass by like that giant recruit poster mm. of those troops and like the, the, <laughs> that dinghy boat. Right. And then like, lo and behold, like fast forward like 10 plus years, I'm always going through Denison Armory. So right. It's like kind of like, it's kind of destined to happen. Mm -hmm. It's always like a, been a, like a childhood thing, right? So naturally, you're kind of naturally inclined towards like military stuff mm -hmm. or action stuff. Right. So it's, it's like kind of like a natural process. I also thought of going to RMC like during like that transition from mm. high school to university, right. like as a legal officer, but it oh. didn't kind of shake out that way. Cause I had what to, you know, I had to upgrade, I had to upgrade. Oh, I see, okay, yeah. So it wasn't really in the cards. Right. So I thought, try the reserves. Right. So like going full punch mm -hmm. and that's how I, where I am now today. Yeah, I actually um, wanted to go to RMC at one point because I thought that, you know, they're making like superhuman beings over there. Because you're so disciplined, you're so fit when you come out, and I think that that's really awesome. Um, but my parents were like, no, you're not going to RMC, you don't even know if you like it yet, like, why don't you just try the reserves first instead of signing up because you owe service after you go to RMC, of course, because they just trained you and gave you a degree. So, um, yeah, it didn't work out for me either. And I also ended up in the reserves. <laughs> so why infantry? Why did you go infantry? And you're a non-commissioned member, right? NCM, right. instead of an officer. So can you just talk through that? Like why infantry and why NCM? Uh, I believe I joined the infantry because there's only like a certain amount of units within the GTA area. Right. And I was kind of considering like the geographic location. Mm -hmm. I believe that the QOR was the closest in terms of proximity and I believe infantry is kind of just one of those like one of the only kind of occupations so, kind of, so naturally I just came, went onto that track right okay and then why did you go NCM if you were in university that's if a good question yeah that's something I'm right? even now today <laughs> that's something I'm constantly kind of grappling with mm -hmm. I think that now that I've been in for three years, there's a lot of, there's a whole heap of responsibility right. in terms of like being an officer, like being in charge of other people and whatnot. So being an infantry officer, 
you know, being like a 20-something lieutenant and then having like 40-something-year-old sergeants and warrants. Right. I think you should at least know, have an inkling of what you're doing mm -hmm. before you're being like, you're in charge of like a platoon of 30 people. Right, it's a lot of responsibility, especially that's young. It's something I'm actively considering now that um, I'm kind of starting to graduate. Right. But I don't think it would be for infantry officer, though. Okay. I think that it's like that's something that you have to genuinely consider, like especially in combat arms, being infantry, and then taking care of yeah, other thirty soldiers. odd people. It's a huge responsibility, especially in combat arms. I think that mm -hmm. it's something that you have to really consider. Right. At least in my opinion. No, it makes sense. It's not a light decision, of course. Like, you know? I'd rather learn as much as I can and then move into leadership. Right. Instead of like jumping straight in. Yeah, and in my case as well, I actually, it's kind of funny, I wanted to join as an NCM. So I wanted to be a combat engineer, not an officer, because I wanted to have one part of my life where I wasn't um, like in a leadership role or not all the attention was on me. Like I just wanted to be good at doing something and then have that competency and contribute to the team and be like a team player and more of like skilled in one section and not the overarching leadership side. But then I went to the recruiting office and they, they put me through as an NCM and then I got a call and they said, we actually need more officers for your unit. So would you want to be an officer? And I was like, okay, well, what's the difference? And you know, he kind of like ran me through it. And I was only 19, so I don't think I fully understood like how different they really are. Um, and I was like, sure, like put me in for an officer then. So I ended up being an officer, but um, it's definitely a decision that you have to consider because they are different roles. Like, and it is a lot of responsibility. It's the military, right? If you're an officer, you have big responsibility to make sure everyone's okay. And also being an NCM, there are some people who could be officers who actually chose to be NCMs, right? Because they want to do the thing. More hands-on stuff. Yeah, more hands-on. So that's another consideration. Okay, awesome. I think that's a great answer. Um, and then you chose the Queen's Own Rifles, so Q-O-R. Was there any particular reason why? Um, so I appreciate history, like I'm a very big history buff. Right. So I appreciate, I appreciate the history behind that unit, especially its exploits during World War II. Right. There's a lot of history behind the regiment. Can you tell us any of it, a short version maybe? I truly appreciate the story of Sergeant Aubrey Cozen's uh, VC, Victoria Cross. He earned that, uh, I believe, in February of 1945, when you know Germany was on the ropes, mm -hmm. was on the verge of collapse. You know, he's our age, like 24. Wow, that gave me goosebumps. You know, his entire platoon was either wounded or killed. I believe he corralled a friendly tank and aimed it towards the uh, enemy positions in terms of a barn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he ordered it to, you know, fire upon the barn. I believe he stormed the barn by himself and wow. like, you know, killed and captured like a bunch of enemy combatants. But unfortunately, he himself was killed by a sniper. Wow. But in the end, he earned the Victoria Cross. And I believe that's Canada's highest decoration. Mm -hmm. equivalent to like the American Medal of Honor. Right. So I think that's, you know, it's very inspiring. A lot of like young people, people our age, and it's like, you know, you don't see, I don't think, would we ever see, well, we have seen it, but you know, 
like in a modern con context mm -hmm. that is something that's really something for sure like i can't i honestly can't imagine like my age group doing something like yeah, that so, something, yeah exactly right like at this age like, if you think about your friends and stuff around yeah. 2022 you it's know crazy. we go to school we scroll on instagram all the time <laughs> yeah. like you know to do something like that it's really really amazing so so the history kind of got so you so the history kind of got me right and how do you know how old approximately is on rifles? oh i believe 163 wow. years old so it predates canada to an extent wow that's amazing yeah if you actually go onto their instagram page you can see like some of the history yeah. i think they do we have a share. huge museum in uh, Casaloma. That's curated. Oh, really? Wow. Mm -hmm. They have like a whole bunch of exhibits dating back to like the 1860s now. So if you wanted <laughs> to see some history from like the Fenian raids all the way to Afghanistan, the Queensland Rifles Museum is there okay. at Casaloma and online at QR Museum, qrmuseum.org. Okay. Awesome. So check that out. Oh, I honestly didn't know that. So that's it. That's a great point that he just made there. Um, and I believe, I don't know if I actually said this, but Queensland Rifles, they're the only reserve unit with an airborne tasking, correct? Uh, I believe so. I believe there's maybe one other. I think that's in British Columbia. Okay. Don't count me on that. Though. Okay. Sure. No I do, from what I hear, like, we're known for being the, the reserve unit with the parachute tasking. Okay, cool. So we'll get back to that a little bit later and dig into more detail. Um, but now I kind of want to get an idea of what the weekly time commitment is. Um, if you could kind of walk us through like how many days, which days, and what hours you typically work. Typically, it would be from, you know, Wednesday from 1930 hours to 2200 hours or 2230 hours. So 7.30 to around 10.30 okay. from every Wednesday. And typically one weekend exercise a month where we put our training together mm. into a weekend scenario however in the reserves there's tons of opportunities to work outside of that you know we have first aid courses that are running oh. during the weekends we have trades courses that are running through the weekends like you know basic machine gunner or primary leadership qualification mm. and then there's different things around the unit that need doing so like, for example we need night vision goggles, but they're in boarding. So we might uh, task someone to drive out and get them for us and bring them down so we can check them over before going back up during a weekend exercise. Right. So oh. there's tons of like opportunities, little opportunities like that. Okay. That get tasked up to do. Right. So it's usually regularly you have one weekday and then no, one weekend. weekend a month. Okay. And then there's also a full time summer employment. So like right. from June to August you can work full-time and what would you what's the nature of that full-time work do you have any idea um kind of what they get you to do in that role it would be the like same thing miscellaneous stuff around the armory that okay. where you that where our unit is located in or there is stalwart guardian so during typically during the end of august the brigade would come together and put together a scenario for all the units within the gta full infantry units that's pretty cool all right among okay. other things Sounds cool. It sounds like a great way to kind of stay busy during your summer, especially if you're a student. Like the reason why some of these things are set up to be, you know, it's summer full-time employment is because 
students are more able to do it because typically we have our summers free, right? So that's something to consider. Yeah, as students. Exactly. So something to consider, especially if you are a student, um, to get your feet, get your feet wet. Yeah, I guess you can say that. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Okay. I think that's great. And what's a typical training night on Wednesday look like for you when you go? So typically, you know, we would arrive, you know, we'll sign in, get our pay for the evening. Okay. And, uh, you know, we would form up and our platoon board would, you know, give us the rundown of the evening and then we go straight into it. It can be, it varies really. It can be, you know, a classroom lesson on patrols, you know, ambushes, or it can be, you know, a period of physical training or we can actually physically practice going through, you know, a patrol or defense, things like that. Okay. It varies between practical, hands-on learning, and then classroom theory stuff before we, you know, we gear up for a weekend exercise. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. And is that, do you know if that's usually planned by, like, the officers? Is that what they, do they plan those things? Or is yeah, it, like, right, senior yeah, NCOs? Yeah, right here, it's uh, a mix between the senior NCOs and the officers that usually plan the stuff. Plan the evening. My weekly night was Fridays, and we were at Denison Armory, and it, it did vary. Like, sometimes there was PT. Sometimes we worked on drill, especially if we had something coming up where we had to look like we've actually marched together That's before. That's what I did last <laughs> Yeah, there you go. And um, we've done like firearm drills when we had testing coming up. Uh, so it does vary, definitely. And I think it also kind of depends on if you have a big exercise coming up, maybe you're tuning in a bit more towards that exercise. So just to give you guys some insight, it's kind of what you can expect on those weekly nights. And next question is, did you ever plan on converting to regular force? Because I know that the, the military will actually pay for your university experience, but then of course you do owe service full time. Did you ever consider doing anything like that? Um, in the beginning, no. But now that I'm kind of moving away from the post-secondary, like I'm about to graduate, that's yeah. something I have considered. Mm-hmm. Uh, about the educational reimbursement, the reserves does pay for a fraction of okay. your university education. I think know. it's up to $8,000. That's pretty good. But I'm trying to go through the process myself right now. Right. But I'm not exactly sure of the entire details. But I do know that they, there is a way that the reserves could help pay. Help cover. A small portion. Okay. There's a couple of stipulations that I'm not exactly quite sure about. Because I'm only, I'm only just starting the process myself. Right, so look into that if you are interested. So the reserves can pay for a fraction of your university costs. Um, I don't know, if, do they cover college too or is it university? I'm honestly not too I'm sure. not too sure, but I think post-secondary. So post-secondary, okay. Should be. Something else you can look into if but you're in college as well. Like I know they do I do university. know for a fact that there is, yeah, they do have a, like a policy that you could take advantage take of. Take advantage of, yeah, for sure. And um we also just heard that you don't necessarily have to do the regular education training plan where they pay for your full yeah. university that and then your own service yeah. right as like a full-time person um so that's good to know if you did just want to do reserves maybe get some of the costs down and yeah leave with some more applicable skills that you can use in your unit okay so we've established that you join the reserves while you're in school um and we've also established that the qor trains on wednesdays they kind of are near where you live so it's convenient for you 
um, and you don't intend on converting to regular force when you started, but now you're maybe thinking about it more that you're leaving university, right? Correct. Would you be moving into uh, regular force as an infantier, or do you think that you would choose a different occupation, or how would that look for you if you did go mm -hmm. right force? So as I've, uh, you know, kind of like been around for like three years or so, right. I've been more and more looking at the intelligence branch. Mm -hmm. I found that to be so extremely cool. interesting. Yeah. Especially as a political science major, mm -hmm. I just find geopolitics or, you know, analyzing information and actually formulating a plan to give to combat arms in order for them to do their jobs to the fullest mm -hmm. extent as something that's very interesting. Unfortunately, I haven't seen a lot of like information, like I've kind of perused the internet so much that there's <laughs> no more information. Right. I'm kind of hungry for more information. So that's some that's one avenue that I'm, I've been looking at. Okay, that's super cool. So if you are an intelligence officer or NCM and you want to be on this YouTube channel, please let us know because there are other people who are looking for the information as well that you could provide. Just want to plug that in there. So you are in the process though of switching trades, regardless if you go reg force, right? So right. in the reserves, you are trying to go from infantry into intelligence. Right. Um, can you tell us a bit more about like the considerations behind that, or maybe the process that goes into switching? Consideration. Like, is it okay to do that? No, it you is know, okay, like... but I believe there's a couple of like, stipulations. Mm -hmm. So if you like, you know, you have to be trades qualified for like a couple or been in the trade for a couple of years before you can make the switch okay. from what I studied. Okay. So I think that's like the only consideration, but there is policies in place for people to kind of switch around. Okay, nice. So Voluntary occupational transfer. Good to know. So you can do that, but there are some stipulations, yeah. like Corporal Wilson just said, and um, look into those as well. I'm sure that your um, chain of command can help or you can have that discussion with them too if you need more information on that. Because that is a common question that I see on my YouTube comments a lot is, can I join as this and then switch? Um, it is probably better if you just join as the uh, thing. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> say that it's, it's better that you just join directly to what you want. Right, right. Makes more sense. But you know, if you get in and you didn't know some of these things existed, like there is still a possibility that you can transition into another role. So we'll definitely follow up on that later. So good luck on that. But for now, um, I kind of wanted to head back to your experience as an infantier because that's what you know the most about right now. So can you walk us through the training process that you completed from like basic training, maybe your trades course, any specialty training you did after? Just let us know how that worked. So after we finished BMQ, I went into DP1 or development period one. Okay. So, you know, as like our soldier's qualification. Mm -hmm. So that's like BMQ, but for infantry. So you're actually kind of learning the infantry job. So right. like the generic, basic army stuff. Right. And where did you do that? Uh, I did it part-time. So I did it at Fort York. Fort For my mod one was at Fort York. And then my mod two was at Moss Park. Okay. Like the year after that. And so for your DP1, how long approximately is that course? Do you remember? So separated into two mods. So you can get it done like in the summer. So from like july to august right but since i did it part-time it was from like september to like may right or march and that was every weekend or like every other it's every weekend mostly and then there may be like a pause here and there oh, makes sense right 
And then, so you did your basic, so your BMQ, mm -hmm. that's where we met. And then your DP1, which was two mods, so you did one Mod part-time mm -hmm. during kind of the school year, I guess. And then mod think, two. Yeah. And then I had to stop sometime in like March-ish. Right. Because school was in the way. Like, I didn't want to take a week away from school. Because mm. I had a, a, my field exercise that probably I would have finished. Right. I couldn't go because you know it's like exams and stuff. Oh, that's a big. But you know thing. the army is always there, so I came back in like June, July, of like twenty twenty one, and I finished. You finished it up. So did you leave the course like midway type of thing? Did you have to restart it? Oh, so it, I no, or? I finished mod one. Okay. And then when I finished mod one, I couldn't really continue on any further. To mod two. So thankfully, I finished mod one. Oh, I see. So I had that out of the way. Right. I jumped onto a mod two. Right, later. Okay. So it's not like you just <laughs> walked out yeah. halfway through mod one and then yeah. walked in halfway to another mod one. Like that's right. you can't really do yeah. that. Or that's it's, more of a gray yeah, area. Yeah, it's more of a <laughs> case but by case, case probably. By case, probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then so you did your basic and then your DP one. And then what's after DP one? So after DP one, uh, you know, you're back to your unit and you you know, you're conducting weekend exercises. There's opportunities such as you know basic machine gunner, okay. there's heavy machine gunner, then you can you can get your four hundred fours or the Department of Defense you know your driver's license. Oh, so you, know, you can drive either. That's interesting. Yeah, you know civilian grade cars like you know vans or mm -hmm. mill cots like military vehicles with a commercial off the shelf. It's like you uh, know Ford F one fifty something. Right, right. And then there's the actual like MSBS like the troop carrier transports. Mm -hmm. Cause like there's different you know types of you know drivers courses that you can take within that within that that you can get rated on. Right. Have you done any training since your DP one then, personally? Mm, no, not any quite. official courses. I mean, I should say. Oh no, not yet. Okay. Because I'm still in like that final year of school. Right. So it's like I'm trying to get that out of the way. Right. And it kind of unfortunately there's like a lot of conflict, mm -hmm. but I'm still active. The so unit and everything, yeah. right? And those trainings, those exercises. As best as I can. Right. And um, what would be the next course that you'd be kind of looking oh, to okay. do? Okay, the next course I'm looking forward to is BMG, so machine gun courses. Oh, okay. Learning the basics of machine gunning, I guess. Right. That's so cool. <laughs> That's so cool because I think, like, right now, for context, we're actually sitting inside one of the University of Toronto libraries and we're talking about military stuff here, right? But then just in front, behind the camera, there's all these people, right? That probably have no idea what it's like to be in the military. You know, they're just doing school and stuff. So it kind of brings another layer or dimension to you as a person too, to have these experiences and to say like, you know, I'm about to go on a machine gunning course. Like who can say that? I think some of the experiences that you have are very unique and there's a lot of growth that comes with that as a human being, not just within the military, right? Um, okay, really cool. So what kind of equipment have you been trained to use so far? Or, or equipment oh, so, or weapons? You know, during DP1, you know, you're getting more acquainted with the C7, so like your standard service rifle. Mm -hmm. And then there's different layers on top of that as well. So in a platoon context, there's a C6 general purpose machine gun. And then in the section context, there's a C9 machine gun. Right. And, you know, there's also a grenade. And then there's the Carl Gustav. 
That's the recoilless yeah. rifle. It's the anti-tank rifle. Oh. Or anti-material rifle. I see. And then there's M72 law. So it's like a tubular rock, disposable rocket launcher. But I haven't fired the Carl <laughs> Gustav or the M72 law. Okay. Right, you just learn about them? Yeah, I just learned about them like at the unit level. Right. But at, um, you know, at our DP1, it mm -hmm. was like the two machine guns and the rifle and the grenade. And the grenade. Okay, that's pretty cool. I mean, I can't say that I've ever touched a machine gun or a grenade, let alone thrown a grenade. <laughs> so I saw a video on one of the army's pages where you were throwing a grenade. I don't remember what year this was. It, might have been it was 20... October of 2020. October of 2020. Okay, yeah. yeah. So Corporal Wilson was throwing a grenade. It's probably this weekend. <laughs> this weekend, two years ago. Wow. It's probably, Whew. yeah. That's kind of wild. So, okay, what led up to that? Like, were you on a course? So I was on DP1. And that's okay. like, we've been learning how to properly handle and throw grenades. Right. Like, up until we went to a grenade range and CFP Borden. Right, and can you kind of like paint the picture of this grenade range for us? So Okay, so it's like uh, there's a hut and then in front of the hut there's like a concrete structure mm -hmm. with a watchtower and the officer, our course officer, would you know go up and like give us the command to throw or you mm -hmm. know tell us whether it's safe or not. Right. And uh, we were given flak vests. Wow, that's cool. Uh, I believe our course staff kind of gave us like a horror story. You know, <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, like, you know, if your straps are not, you know, properly done, the grenade could probably like, slip into your, you know, you know, your... Like your, your tunic yeah, or whatever you're wearing. Your tunic or whatever you're whatever, wearing. Yeah. So that kind of like made me like... <laughs> Holy shit. But then when you actually do it, you don't really feel that fear anymore. That kind of happened to us like during like BMQ mm. when like one of the master corporals is like, you know, if you don't handle it properly, you'll die. Right. It's like, okay. It's like, okay. But then when you actually do it, it's like, okay, whatever. You're shooting a gun or you're throwing a grenade. <laughs> it's so nonchalant about it. <laughs> so now that you're kind of doing it, it's kind of like, oh, whatever. I'm not even afraid of it anymore. Which right. is like, yeah. Okay, so what is it like throwing a grenade? Like, what is the, I guess, the procedure or the, the motion? Because you kind of throw it over your head like this, right? Yeah. Like, so basically, I believe you're putting it in like, you're putting the grenade in your dominant hand. You're okay. checking it over for any like, you know, deficiencies or whatnot. Right. You know, there's a safety pin. Okay, yeah. That's another common misconception. There's, there's, a, there's a safety pin that holds everything together. So mm -hmm. it's not like, the grenade isn't as delicate as one would think. Because right. there's that one safety pin that's holding it together. So technically, you know, you're moving the safety pin, and you know, you're you're actually getting the actual, you know, pin that you used to you know, actually detonate it, right. toss it, and you know, so you're holding the grenade in your dominant hand, and you know, you have your index, your index finger in your other hand, and you you pull the pin, and then your hand probably, you know, your dominant hand would be here. Your eight, your, your other hand is basically your aiming hand. Oh. And you're and then there's like a little like screen that you can see where the the explosion is. Right. So you're behind like some wood structure. Yeah, behind like a concrete, concrete structure. structure. Kind of like that. Kind of like a mini little bunker thing. There's okay. like an observation screen. And then you're throwing it towards the. the and you're wood throwing it towards like a uh, kind of like a gravel pit, like a oh, circle okay. of gravel pit. Gotcha. 
Okay, super cool. So is the bang as big as you see in like movies for grenades? No, it's no, it's not as like fiery or, or loud or it, it's it's like a dull thump, mm. and you can feel it like That's a so couple fun. meters away. So even though like, we're all lining up to for our turn to throw it, right? You constantly you constantly hear like a boom, and like you're you kind of like shudder a little bit. Wow. Even though you're behind like a concrete structure. <laughs> yeah, that's. And so the explosion isn't as like fiery or extravagant as the movies. Right. Kind of like a flash, because it's like it consists of like you know metal. It's mostly just like the grenade is kind of like an accelerant for like all like the metals and whatnot that like, fly Inside around. Of it, right? Yeah. Okay. That's so cool. Thanks for that demo. <laughs> you saw it here first, guys. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay, next, I just want to ask, like, what vehicles you brought in. So we kind of went over the equipment. Have you been in any cool, like, vehicles, like helicopters or boats or anything like that? In terms of ground vehicles, uh, nothing too crazy. Like, you know, there's a troop carrier. Right. Like, and then there's, like, you know, the regular civilian vehicles. But in terms of air vehicles, I have been in a Chinook recently. A couple wow. months ago. A Chinook is, like, a twin rotary helicopter right the utility helicopter that's so cool how was that like what was that experience like where were we going it was so it was kind of trip like <laughs> as per usual like with the grenade or like firing a rifle for the first, first time it's right. kind of trippy <laughs> but then you kind of get used to it it's like right. it's like being on a roller coaster it's like you know you go up you go down <laughs> you're kind of like <laughs> you're kind of reacting but then you kind of like you kind of mellow into it because now you're kind of used to it. Right. Where was that? It was at Star Wars Guardian. So, in the summer. Mm. And that we're at uh, CFP Petawawa. Okay. That's so cool. The Chinooks. I remember I used to, like, draw the different military helicopters <laughs> when I was little. So, that's pretty cool that you're actually in one. Did they leave the bath open? Like, oh, yeah. They did leave the bath open. That's that, so that's cool. Also, <laughs> that's what kind of tripped me out as well. And then, like, the the crew. Yep. The crew that would be, like, you know, on, like one of them would kind of, like, they're... They're connected, of course. They're connected to, like, you know, the helicopter proper. Mm -hmm. But it's just the way that they're just nonchalantly, like, sitting on the edge. <laughs> oh, like, my gosh. It's so trippy. It's like, I guess they're used to it. Yeah, yeah they do so. leave it open. And, like, you know, they kind of gave us, like, a little tour and whatnot mm -hmm. around the area. So, like, you know, we went near lakes and river oh, systems. Oh, I see. It's pretty nice, yeah. That's so cool. Like, dude, this is the kind of stuff that you get to do when you're in the reserves, you know? And... That's really, really cool. I've never been in a helicopter. I've so, never hung out in the back of a helicopter. So <laughs> Not saying that you were hanging out in the back, but you know, someone was. That's okay. close to the end. And uh, during the week that we were at Star Wars Guardian, uh, there was a day dedicated for us to get used to the system. Right. So we did that. So we you know, went to the, like the air wing there. Mm. And, uh, you know, they gave us like a little tour and like the different like procedures on how to get on and get off. Right. And then that's when they gave us like the little tour around like the base. Very and then cool. the day after that, I believe that was the day when we were actually doing like the actual exercise that they planned for us. Mm -hmm. And they gave us like a helicopter insertion. So that was pretty cool. That's so cool. A helicopter insertion. That's sick. Um, was the air crew like Reg Force or? No, I believe they were Reg Force. Yeah. Reg Force? Air, air Force. Yeah. So it was Air Force. Right. Yeah. Because I remember when I was going through the recruitment process, I asked if we have like a reserve air force and apparently it's not necessarily something you can join directly at least that's what i was told it's something more if there's full-time um air force personnel who want to work part-time you know near the end of the careers or something then they might just do kind of maintenance stuff as like a reserve air force person on like a full-time base so 
Um, I know there's questions around, like, can you join the Air Force Reserves? I don't know if there's a direct entry, but from what I can tell... I do know that there is an Air Force Reserve, but yeah, from what I know personally, it seems kind of a little muddled. Right. Like what you were saying. Yeah. You know, there's... Like, it exists in some capacity. We just don't exactly know, like, how you know. get in or, like, yeah. you know? So if that's something that you're interested in, I would say, like, call a recruiter in your area and have those conversations if you can because we don't know all the answers to that one. But <laughs> that's super cool. Okay, so we went over the equipment, some of the vehicles, some of the fun stuff. Um, and it seems like some of the reserve units have, have started to be mobilized for deployment recently. Um, have you heard anything about that? Like, are you eligible to be deployed? Um, um, I have not personally, mm -hmm. but I know I do know that you know with the recent happenings going on, there's a lot right. of emphasis of you know why are you truly here, right? In the event that things truly do kick off, right? So you know, it's just a lot of like reflection mm -hmm. of like you know why are you here? Is yeah. this really what you really want? But. Uh, in the event that you know war like occurrences do happen like like afghanistan for example you weren't like automatically as a reservist shipped off to afghanistan each unit each reserve unit kind of sent like a certain you know percentage of the mm -hmm. personnel over via voluntary basis right so if you want like a ta like a tasking as like a deployment you probably need to show a lot of like dedication before they even consider mm -hmm. sending you over can you tell us about any exercises or trainings that you've done? Like any of those weekend training, like what do you usually do? Or have you done any larger exercises over the years? Mm -hmm. One of the larger exercises was Stellar Guardian this past right. summer with like the entire brigade coming wow. together. Okay. But uh, in terms of just weekend to weekend exercises, uh, the last one I did was just this past weekend at CFP Borden. Mm -hmm. uh, we we're doing raids and ambushes. So, you know, <laughs> that's pretty cool raising ambushes okay and so you actually like go to the field like so we go to the field and then we pot out a point and try to you know intercept the enemy okay. hit them all right kind of scour the area for you know intelligence for example if we hit a convoy you know we go in hit them eliminate the enemy yeah, you know, <laughs> scour for you know intel right. material destroy any material for example mm. take care of their pow's and kind of get off the site for example wow. so that was one scenario that we did go through wow and then i believe the sunday night no the saturday night into the sunday we kind of did like a little insertion they say i believe it was like seven or eight kilometers from you know one end of the training area to the other right and you know we set up an ambush there okay but unfortunately we didn't get our target because oh. the map, the topography kind of changes. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of like, we're, up, we're, up, we're lined up against one ridge, oh. facing that dirt track. Mm -hmm. And then there's another road. But I guess we thought that they were coming through the dirt track, not the road. Not the road, right. So not everything goes to as planned. Right, as it wouldn't in real life, if you're actually doing this necessarily, right? That's why you have to. And then, you know, so, you know, Every weekend kind of varies. So right. we did raids and ambushes this weekend. And then the last weekend, which was like Saturday, or Saturday, oh no, sorry, Saturday. Our September exercise, I believe was like a force on force. So we're kind of like looking. So our company was kind of split into two platoons. Okay. And we're kind of like looking for each other 
Oh. Like, so we're doing like rep reconnaissance patrols into their territory. It's like the, <laughs> the training area is kind of split between our side and their side. Right. <laughs> we one of us, um, one platoon was kind of taped out and like, you know, to identify each other. Right. We were taped out in like red tape. <laughs> and then the other the other platoon was taped out in blue and yellow. So you kind of I made see. like a lot of Ukraine, Ukraine Russia jokes. Oh, so, <laughs> right, right. It's like, you know, so, you know, we're searching for each other. Right. We'll do like, you know, a, uh, I believe it was, a, it was a fighting patrol. You know, so we're seeking out the enemy right. and then attacking them. That was like the Sunday of the September exercise. So wow. September was like force on force, you know, doing reconnaissance, reconnaissance patrols, right. listening posts. So some of us are, you know, tasked out to different areas within our territory, kind of listening out for their patrols coming through. Right. And then some so of us were, you know, tasked out to do reconnaissance into their territory. Mm -hmm. So I guess one thing I'm wondering is, um, for these exercises that you have, there's varying levels of experience, right, among the people participating. Yes, of course, yeah. So how does that kind of play into what you do? Like sometimes if there's more uh, responsibility on certain roles, are those more of the experienced people or the kind of just everyone's assumed to be like competent, everyone kind of participates the same amount? Um, it's, a, it's a mix. It's a mix. Okay. So because, you know, a lot of us are learning still. Right. So, you know, we, we go in and I think like the things that we're tasked out to do on weekend exercises, they more or less go okay enough right from what i see okay so it's just a it's a myriad really i think it's like the leadership usually consists of sergeants and like mass corporals mm -hmm. or corporals that have been there longer than like the like people like me that came right. in like from like 2019 onward ish mm -hmm. i see okay and has your role at all like changed since you've joined you think i've only uh been oh good question uh I've mostly been a, just a section member, just a section member. Right. And um, I'm interested in like just kind of learning via mm -hmm. osmosis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Makes just sense. kind of just constantly learning, keeping my mind my ears open. Right. It seems like there's a lot of moving parts. It's a lot in of these moving exercises parts. too. Now that you're kind of like now that you're trained and kind of established right. within the unit, like as a section member mm -hmm. in the in our fighting company, there's kind of just a lot of moving parts. It's just like. Now you're starting to realize that there's a lot more than just, you know, a body being just a being a body. Right. Got to actually there, think there, stuff. There too. is something within our unit, kind of like we call it the Rifle Men's Initiative. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, you have to kind of take initiative within yourself. Oh, uh, I see. Put yourself out there, and not just be like a body. Right. So if you see something, you do it. You take it. You got to put yourself out there in order to grow in the military as Corporal Wilson is saying but also in life of course <laughs> so Queen's Own Rifles like we were mentioning before they have airborne tasking if someone was in your unit and they wanted to get involved with that like is there a certain selection process do they have yes, to show there's, certain there's interest certain, uh, how does that kind of work from what you know so merit is a big thing just like constantly showing up right you know showing your face making it known and then there's actual like para PT tests Oh, okay. So I know I believe it's like a, run, a mile run, and then uh, like with a limitation of like 
seven thirty, seven minutes and thirty seconds. Okay. So typically it's like two laps around the armory. Right. And then there's X amount of chin ups and X amount of sit ups and pull ups. Pull ups, okay. No, chin ups, sit ups and push ups. Push ups, yeah. All right. So that's pretty interesting. And I'm guessing you have to be in your unit for a certain amount of time too, right? Like to kind of go. Oh, through just the be trade qualified. Just be qualified. Oh, so you just have to be trade qualified. And I believe there's some of... people in cadets who have oh, done yeah. parachuting that already kind of know the incidents. Right. And how often do these people like jump? Do you know? Like, is I it believe, a regular know, thing? On a monthly basis, yeah. I oh, know that there are a couple pretty... jumps that the unit is very keen on making sure that our tasking is up to date. Right. So there's a lot of jumping opportunities for those people who are qualified jumpers. Interesting. Okay. And you yourself, have you been interested in doing that or not? I have. And, but that's where like the caveat is. Mm. It's a huge, huge wake up call in terms of like your ability in comparison to those that are kind of established within the unit, like your right. leadership and whatnot. Right. So it's a constant strive to mm. get there and meet that standard, high that, standard. They're, that they're looking for right. so i'm constantly striving towards and those standards that you learn in the military you can't just be you know a soldier on the one day a week and the weekend exercise and then eat like shit throughout yeah. the week for example yeah. or you know you have to have a certain standard for your actual life as well mm -hmm. do you think yeah. like the military has helped you kind of establish some healthy habits or maybe like mindset that you've used in your normal civilian life too yeah well i think i kind of I sort of had that before I joined, mm -hmm. but I think that the military kind of really made it more rigid. Do you think you're like a different person than you would have been if you never joined the military? I think that it's probably changed for the better. Right. Yeah, for sure. But to what extent? I'm not exactly sure. Mm, good point. Good point. I found like for myself, because I was in the military for what, like I think a year and seven months, um, I found at that time, I remember after I finish like even just basic I was so aware of how much time like a single minute was oh yeah, yeah like there's that. a lot of change yeah so <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I always dislike just like not being punctual but now I find myself being a lot, a lot more yeah punctual. A lot more I did work for Dollarama for a time right. as well as the reserves okay <laughs> and you know how in the army everything's kind of go 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 all the time yeah just seeing civilian people kind of just go about Mostly life around, it's like, like <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> especially yeah. like working at a cashier it's right. like and, and you know just like really really fast I'm like and then you know the civilian people are just really kind of slow like mm -hmm. just casually going about it's like yeah, yeah, like more intention. <laughs> always... So yeah, I think that that changed drastically. It's like, mm -hmm. hurt, like you know, timing is all the essence. Right. I remember um, for one of our inspections on basic, I left something locked in my <laughs> duffel bag, and so I had like a rotational lock. So you have to like spin it around, hit the three numbers, right? Like the the kind that you see in school. Um, and he was like, you have like 30 seconds to like get this thing out, reclose the lock, lay it out on my cot, and then stand back with attention. And I remember I was sweating so much, he was like counting, he was like one, or like counting down, so like 30, 29. And I was like, 
<laughs> so you become like very aware. I did it though. Like I actually did it in 30 seconds, which is the crazy thing because you become so aware of how much time each like singular minute is. And you know, like you have to be there on your timings and You're stuff. You're far right? more caring of, you know, just you know, going about life with mm -hmm. a little bit more gusto. Right. Like, you know, yeah, you, you have somewhere to be. You're there like so let's get there. Early, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you mean. I think that that's one really cool kind of advantage that you come. That's out actually of. one thing I kind of appreciate. But I think I kind of always had that. Right. But it's just made even more. More pronounced. Because of the, yeah, being going through the motions. Right. So that's something I actually really appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, there's this general sense I think among among people that the infantry is a really tough occupation. Um, What's your take on that? I think that what you said is true. I think that there's a certain standard that you have to meet. And I think that our leadership does a really good job in inspiring the junior ranks or people that are coming up to try and aspire to be in the best shape and the best mindset that you can be. Because, mm -hmm. you know, my platoon warrant always says that he's training us so that we can replace him one day. Right. Right? Wow. So I find that the unit and like the leaders in general mm -hmm. are really good in that regard. So it is, it is, it has its days where it's like very like, ugh. But then at the end <laughs> of the day, some way, somehow, I still manage to complete it. Right. <laughs> Even though you're kind of drained at the end. Mm -hmm. But it's something that's constantly in the back of my mind is constantly striving to be the best. Are there any defining moments that kind of come to mind from maybe exercises or training that you're really proud of where you did maybe display some of that fortitude? There are times, you know, where you're, you know, you're huffing an X amount of pounds on your back mm -hmm. or you're, you know, doing like a section attack where you're kind of just like, you know, out of it. But if you just kind of shut your mind off, mm. you kind of end up going through it. So for example, our September exercise was like, there was a lot of walking. Mm. Um, the terrain isn't exactly the greatest in CFB boarding. Sometimes there's like, you know, like a swamp system. Oh. Cool. Like just like the river. And there's like a lot of escarpments. There's like, like a lot of like, 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 right. like traversing with like a whole bunch of equipment on you. And you yeah. know, at, it's like, you're just like what five or like four in the morning ish right so you're just totally out of it right but i found that i kind of just shut my brain off and kind of just did it did it right and uh you know you get through mm. so there haven't really been defining moments but there have been moments i was like uh, but then you kind of just try and turn your brain off and you manage to get you manage to get through it anyway mm -hmm. which is something that you don't really take credit for there's just like a lot of moments where you're just out of it, but you're still doing it. You're still doing the thing. Somehow, so, some way. Some, somehow, some way. <laughs> Especially like, you know, you're just like in the middle of the morning. And it's like, you know, branches in your face, and like cutting up your, your legs or oh, yeah. your face. So much branches in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think like having that team environment helps too? Like you see everyone the team environment helps it. too. I think there's a lot of like uh, relationships that our form mm. and it's good it helps that you're having people around you right 
people are depending on you too, you know, like, even if you're not an officer, you're still dependent on to do your job well, right? Do you have any advice, I guess, for new recruits in terms of maybe like the mental strength or the physical side just to kind of get ready for or yeah, any, any advice that you have in that area? Oh, okay. So I think I kind of touched on it before. Mm -hmm. um, sure, it's part time, but I think it's still a dominant time of your life like being in the army reserve mm -hmm. so treat it don't treat it like something you can just kind of toss away always kind of keep it in the periphery so like you said eating habits mm -hmm. or your physical activity habits always kind of keep it in mind and i think you'll be a better person because of it my warrants on dp1 said it doesn't stop when you get your hook and it doesn't stop mm -hmm. when you get your second hook it doesn't stop when you get your leave it doesn't stop when you get your third book like it just keeps going yeah, it doesn't stop never stops so right. always stay hungry mm -hmm. yeah, i remember when you said that no that's that's really good advice i just want to ask like you know doing all these tough things and all these different experiences what kind of relationships have you formed in the calf a lot of friendships in the midst of the hardship right i still talk to people from you know our basic training like yeah you, that's cool till this day Mm -hmm. And there's also this kind of idea of a mess, right? Like with the units, it's like the... Yeah, the mess hall system. The mess hall, right? The NCM mess hall, and I think there's a separate one for the officers, there's, uh, right? So there's junior ranks, there's a junior mess, right. then there's like the sergeants and warrant officers mess, mm -hmm. and then there's the officers mess, yeah. Okay. And what's the kind of idea with that? Like, why is that important? They say that the military, like the military, it's a, it's a hard place, right? You know, like it's very high intensity. Mm-hmm. But you know, on, with the underlying intensity, there kind of has to be like a time where, to set aside where, you know, you can meet coworkers right. in the informal setting, and that I think that's where like, the mess comes in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's important too to kind of have those times where you can yeah, kind of just like be a little bit more, dare I say, chill. <laughs> like I guess relax, like so you know, more, you know, relax, actually getting to know the people. That you're doing beyond, with. beyond like you know doing the business yeah so i think that's that's a unique thing as well is kind of having that downtime or like that down area where you can kind of connect and relax a little bit and meet some people well i think that's a great place to end it thank you so much for being here i think that was a lot of value to the viewers no problem <laughs> thank you <laughs>